The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Monday, May 4, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we learned earlier today that Louisville has received a notice of allegations from the NCAA. It includes one level one violation that involves improper recruiting offers. There are three level two violations, including one against a former Louisville coach, Hall of Fame coach Rick Pitino. He got the failure to promote an atmosphere of compliance violation. So, Norlando, what I want to do is talk about these in two parts. First, what does it mean for Louisville? Then what does it mean for Rick Pitino, who is, of course, the head basketball coach at Iona? So, Norlando, let's start with question number one. What does this mean for Louisville? You just love opening the pod with these these uh, big old broad ones. What it means for Louisville is that it is in the crosshairs of, to me, the most interesting and I don't think the most damaging. I don't think that when we get through all of these cases with the NCAA, and as a reminder, Louisville is just the next one down the assembly line here. We've already seen NC State, which was the first one, Kansas, which is a significant one, USC, Oklahoma State. Uh, Creighton hasn't announced it yet, but I believe Creighton's had some, and some have still not gotten it yet, like Auburn, LSU, Arizona, those schools haven't received them yet. Um, so Louisville's just the next in line, just so everyone's clear. This is clearly tied to all of the uh, Department of Justice and the FBI stuff. But what it means, I think, is interesting because Louisville is a repeat offender as a program in general, okay? And we'll come to learn if that means something or not in terms of, like it's had three uh, transgressions against the NCAA's rulebook since 1996. Now we enter, enter into a new era uh, of adjudication, if you will, on behalf of the NCAA. And it's not just its committee on infractions, but uh, the, the separate complex case unit and what we might still get from an independent body, we can get to that in a minute there, um, what that might still rule. We don't know if Louisville will be more severely punished because it was a repeat violator while on probation or if Louisville will have saved its skin to a certain degree because it cleaned house. Uh, you know, Tom Jurich, former athletic director, gone. Rick Pitino, of course, gone. His entire staff, gone. You bring in a new president, a new athletic director, obviously a new coach and a new staff. And you do that to avoid heavy punishment, no doubt about it. But I also think you do it in hopes, in hopes that two things. One, you can say, look at every other school that's been involved in this and whether the NCAA's Committee on Infractions or the IARP will care about that remains to be seen. But look at every other school. We're the only one who did this, okay? And two, when you are inherently dealing with human beings who can say, 
hey, we understand, and we might even agree with some of the stuff. We'll dispute some of the other facts. None of us were there, okay? You can see what we've done here and how we've changed. And, 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 and this is, I'm paraphrasing the president who spoke via a Zoom conference call earlier today, Parrish, how we have changed uh, the structure of accountability within our own athletic department and how progressive we've been there. So to me, Louisville has a unique position and situation compared to every other school that's going to be caught up in this parish. And I can't give you, I don't think anyone can give you any strong sense uh, or notion or any level of confidence in terms of, okay, this is what's going to happen. Louisville's going to be facing X amount of scholarship reductions, uh, certain fine, uh, postseason ban or not. We just don't know. So what does it mean for Louisville is more of a what does it mean for college sports going forward because I think this is the one particularly interesting instance where they cleaned house and now we wait to see what will happen. And by the way, I don't think we're going to get answers on that minimally for like eight months. It might not even be until February, March, April of 2021. You know, first, it's always important to point out when programs are going through this that the uncertainty, the undeniable uncertainty, um, is a punishment in and of itself. Because right now, everybody recruiting against Louisville is going to use this against them. Like, hey, be careful going to Louisville. They could get hit with a postseason ban. You know, they've already gotten a notice of allegations, and it does involve level one violate a level one violation. And remember, they were already on probation, so it could be really, really bad. So that in and of itself is a punishment. Something that Chris Mack and his staff will have to to work through. It doesn't make it impossible to recruit, but it does make it more difficult than it otherwise would be. The most famous example is North Carolina having to recruit literally for years with an NCAA cloud hanging over its program. Roy Williams will tell you that it prevented him from getting um, the type of recruits that he had normally gotten at North Carolina. And um, there was one prospect uh, specifically, uh, Brandon Ingram, who is on the record saying he went to Duke uh, only because – North Carolina was facing possible punishment. He knew he was a one-and-done player, didn't want to go to North Carolina, and then get stuck playing for a program that was going to be banned from the NCAA tournament. I'm paraphrasing a a bit there, but essentially the point's the same. The possibility of North Carolina being punished by the NCAA cost them a five-star prospect in Brandon Ingram and certainly um, others along the way. So Chris and his staff are going to have to deal with that. Um, As for what happens after that, the actual punishment, like, hey, here's what we find you guilty of, for lack of a better word, and here is now what you'll have to deal with. You're exactly right. Nobody knows. Um, It's a guessing game uh, for two reasons. Uh, The Louisville situation is incredibly unique, and B, the NCAA is wildly inconsistent with its punishments. Some people get uh, X amount of years for a show cause, other people this amount of years for a show cause. You try to figure out why is the one is this, one is this. You never really can make sense of it. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. I don't think there's much point in sitting around uh, debating about what will happen. But I do think it's an interesting conversation. What should? Because, like you said, this is a unique situation. This is a program that has consistently cheated and been caught cheating been on probation three times since 1996. They were on probation for a recruiting scandal when they had multiple assistant coaches out knowingly, according to the NCAA, breaking more recruiting rules. That's bad. Undeniably bad. Um, On the other hand, this is a school that fired everybody. AD, 
uh, one of the best ADs in the country, you're out. Uh, a Hall of Fame coach, one of the greatest of all time, you're out. Multiple assistant coaches, you are gone. And so if you set out to punish Louisville in any sort of significant way now, you are actually punishing people, uh, a coaching staff and student athletes who had literally nothing to do with this. That's that's the balancing act the NCAA is is now dealing with. How do you think they should handle that? You know, over the parish, I mean, over the X amount of months or years, uh, I've I've had occasional conversations uh, with head coaches in particular, uh, but even one person at the NCAA level, and I think this is important to keep in mind here. Um, I don't think that Louisville should necessarily be absolved of everything because it cleaned house. That in and of itself is a certain kind of punishment, sure. And what you just brought up uh, in terms of the uncertainty also certainly has a, has a has a real impact on it, and it's something that Louisville's representatives will no doubt about it make a case there. But when Chris Mack takes that job, he knows that something could happen, and he takes it. And he has a contract that is going to protect him and actually extend his years on the deal uh, if and when punishments come that that directly affect Louisville's eligibility for the postseason tournament or, the, or, or other impacts. He's got a he's got a friendly contract in that in that way. Okay, so he's actually set up to protect himself. But what some coaches have said to me has been, listen. When you are being recruited, whether it's a transfer or, or a kid out of high school. It is up. To, it is on you and your rep, your parents, your guardians, whomever, to know that if Louisville, you know, were to be administered an NOA, if you will, whenever that was to arrive, and here we have it, we enter the month of May, and bada bang, bada boom, it happens on May fourth, that this is going to potentially be an issue. So, if the NCAA is smart about this and can get its houses in order, because the fact of the matter is when we talk about these things and we reference the NCAA, as you well know, Parrish, and as uh, a, a, a wide margin, a majority of our listenership realizes this, but just to make it clear, there are different silos, if you will, within the NCAA that handle this stuff. The enforcement group that goes out and gets all the evidence is not the same as the Committee on Infractions, which takes the evidence and then adjudicates on it. And we could still have... The Independent Accountability Resolution Process, which I referenced before, the IARP, which is a whole new ball game. We'll get to that in just a second. But I don't have mounds of sympathy for Louisville, for for Mac and his staff and the players when you knew the deal going in. So if the NCAA can be, uh, and I don't know what my level of confidence on this would be, GP, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Have it be like this. The staff is the staff. They're paid professionals. It's going to be what it's going to be. But whenever this punishment gets handed down, let's just throw out a hypothetical date because we don't know. But let's just say it's Valentine's Day of 2021. Okay? Two things in order. One, any sort of punishment that's going to come down, have it be effective starting in the 2021-2022 season. And if that's the case, then any player, again, who through no fault of their own, okay, that's on the current roster, <laughs> has the ability to transfer where they want immediately. That's probably going to be the case anyway. I get all that, but let's just work in the world that we're in here right now, GP. Give them that option, okay? Because otherwise, you commit it to the school knowing this might have been a problem to begin with. And so that becomes a you problem as well, okay? This cannot be and will not be the coverall the same way that 
coaches could once upon a time say, I don't know, and that's no longer acceptable, and nor should it be, and that's why Patino's in the crosshairs. What are your thoughts? I think you and I are mostly on the same page here, and I think our opinion is a unpopular opinion. Um, I, I saw a c- column from um, our friend Mike DeCourcy at the Sporting News, and you know he was sort of you know making the case like, do we do we really want to punish people who had nothing to do with this? And I just think um, you have to, and the reason is because you cannot have a system in place where a school can continue to cheat at a sport over and over again. And then if they say, hey, but when we got caught, we fired everybody, so we don't deserve any additional mm-hmm. serious punishment. Well, then what does that do? You just freeze them up to go out and buy somebody else great. And get, we just go hire another great coach and, and recruit at the same level. If there's no risk of further serious punishment, then, then yeah, it, you know, it, it sucks we had to get rid of Rick Pitino, but we got Chris Mack. Like, we're going to be fine. Like, at some point, you have to punish the school. You have to. And I, I know it's unfortunate for Chris and his staff. Like, I like those guys. You know, I, I've known them forever. And I know it's unfortunate for the student athletes who are there. But this is actually one of the reasons when you and I talked about Chris maybe taking the Louisville job, should he, shouldn't he? Um, it was like, you got to understand what you might be walking yes. into. Yes. Like, th- you might look up in two years, and now you're dealing with an NCAA case that's going to. Um, uh, make recruiting more difficult, maybe lead to a postseason ban. Like, you know, I still think it was the right thing for him to do to take the job. Uh, but this, when you were trying to weigh the pros and cons, this day was one of the cons. And so if you're going to walk into it, you know, understanding that, like you pointed out, well, then you walked into it understanding that. And frankly, he probably got more money from Louisville and more years based on they knew they had to convince him, come in and Come on, and yeah, you're probably gonna have to deal with some bad stuff, but like we'll make it worth your while. So um, I just, I, I just, just don't, I, I don't think you can have a system in place where it is, it is sort of understood. Hey, listen, if you get called, as long as you fire all the right people, we won't really hit you too bad. If listen, Louisville as a basketball program has to be punished. Whoever is in charge of Louisville's basketball program. Now, I do think it should be taken into account. That they did fire everybody, like, and they have restructured everything, and they are now, yes. maybe for the first time ever, trying to do things the quote-unquote right way. I do think that should be considered, and that should lessen the punishment. And I do think that when Kansas gets punished, it should probably work the opposite way. Like, you stood firm by everybody and, and, and dared us to do something about it. Well, now, here we are. Um, but, so I do think that it should be understood Louisville deserves a lesser punishment than it would get if Rick Pitino were still the coach today and those assistants were still on staff. But the idea that the punishment should be nothing or something not serious, I just don't agree with that at all. At some point, the university's got to be got to be punished. Yeah, and I know that we'll repeat this down the road whenever we get more information on that. When they have the they have a ninety day window to respond, Louisville does, and we'll see what comes with that, et cetera, et cetera. But just it can't be said enough. This all happened while they were already on probation, and I just think that's going to play a significant factor there. I just do. I can't get away from that. Just as by the way, um, what also makes this particularly an interesting case. And I do. I think we agree that whenever this stuff comes down through the committee on factions or the IARP, which, by the way, if if that route is taken, which is what Memphis is going to do, and Memphis will be the first 
school. We see NC State is still angling to do it, but our friend Greg Doyle actually looked for confirmation on that in the past few days. It actually wasn't confirmed, but I think that's just a um, a formality at this point. And then if if Louisville goes down that road, you don't get an appeal. So what you're doing with the IARP is you are going to a gov- a, a, a judicial body, if you will, that's that's made up with, with decorated people uh, and, and law enforcement and who've worked in the courts, et cetera, et cetera, but have no ties to the NCAA. They are a truly outsourced governing body, okay? And so the hope there is that you take everything that you have, give it to them, the NCAA will do the same, and then reasonable people will take all of the information and decide, okay, here's what we have and here's how we choose to punish you or not in, in, in this way, this way, that way, that way. But whatever you get, that's what you get. You cannot appeal, unlike with the Committee on Infractions. But to be fair, the appeal success rate at the COI level is not that great as is. Uh, but just keep that in mind going forward. I did want to just remind listeners that because this is so interesting, because Louisville is the only school connected to this that had the father of a recruit t- testify in the case. I mean, you have, and this is the stuff that the NCAA is going to going to use against it. And I, some of the stuff I just don't see how Louisville is going to be able to get out of, because um, the NCAA is going to try and say, "Listen, Adidas, Christian Dawkins, Jim Gatto, th- these were boosters in effect with the school." Okay. And and Gasnola, who under oath said that Rick Pitino didn't know, and, and I do believe that. But you have Bowen accepting Bowen Senior accepting a one hundred thousand dollar deal for Brian to go Bowen Junior to go and play at Louisville. Of course, he actually received some of these details. I understand are hard to remember and even know after the fact. But just he received nineteen thousand five hundred dollars in a New Jersey parking lot in July of two thousand seventeen from Manish Sood who eventually turned and became a witness for the government. That transaction happened, okay? It's going It's going to stick to him there. They, they got more money outside the Galt House in Louisville where Kenny Johnson gave Brian Bonin Sr. $1,300. Now, Johnson was uh, reportedly surprised at this arrangement. Regardless, it did happen, and there were still more payments scheduled to be made, and the only reason they didn't get made was because the case broke. They couldn't do anymore because the case ended because everything got exposed. Christian Dawkins had uh, semi-automatic rifles pulled on him in the middle of a hotel room in Manhattan in September of 2017. So uh, there's a couple of other details there as well. But just as a reminder, like a lot of the details here were corroborated on wiretaps or through testimony. And while some stuff might be picked apart here and there, I actually think that the NCAA has a fairly strong case against Louisville and its lack of compliance combined with that and the fact that it was on probation is why it makes it such an interesting case because I don't think it's going to get the full feel of a hammer here, GP, but I have a hard time believing, who knows what could happen, right? But I have a hard time believing that we're going to look up 8, 10, 14, 16 months from now whenever this particular case is resolved, which will be after Kansas, which will be after NC State, probably after Oklahoma State. They're just going to keep coming down, right? And we're going to say, wow, Louisville got off scot-free. I just don't think that's a reasonable expectation if you're a Louisville fan. You just have to hope you can avoid the worst of it. And the worst of it, to me, would be a postseason ban, any type of significant scholarship reductions, and truly significant recruiting sanctions that kind of handcuff your staff in terms of what they're able to do. I don't think it'll be aggressive, but I don't think it'll be uh, it'll be something where you look up and you're like, okay, phew, wipe the brow. I think it'll be somewhere in between that.
Right. Um, and just, you know, it's sort of, again, hammer home exactly what we're dealing here with. I understand the argument that nobody on that campus had anything to do with what happened. But to, for me, whether it's Chris and his staff or any of the student athletes um, who enrolled there after the news broke, like after Rick Pitino was fired and after you know that this is a possibility, down, it's a little bit like you're looking at a house and you're thinking about moving into this house, buying this house. And, and somebody says, now listen, um, everything's fine right now. But the air conditioner been acting a little funny. It, there's a chance it could go completely out uh, within the next two years, okay? And you've got a really nice fence in the backyard. But I'm just saying, it, it's, it's, it's been there 20 years, and it's, you know, leaning a little bit the wrong way. And I, I could – I'm just telling you, it's likely that entire fence fall. You're going to have to deal with that within the next three years. And you say, okay, I hear you. I understand. I'm – I'm moving in the house anyway. That's what the staff did, and that's what these student athletes did. And so you can't really then, when the air conditioning unit goes out and the fence falls down, go, "What? Now I got to come out of my pocket to fix this air conditioner and fix this fence? Like I didn't have anything to do with the damage to the air conditioner or the fence. Like you knew what you were walking into. Mm -hmm. It it is what it is. I, I can acknowledge it's not a perfect system, but I, I just don't believe you can let programs repeat offenders get off, if you will, um, simply because they fired everybody who was involved. The program, the school has to be punished. And that's why I do think Louisville will be punished. Not nearly as bad, I would assume, as it would have been if it held on to Rick Patino, but but still but still somewhat significantly. You mentioned that IARP and that Memphis is the only school in there right now. Um, I don't know if Louisville would go that route because like as you noted, the IA, IARP is for complex cases, and the Memphis case is complex. Uh, you know, it's it. You know, Memphis playing James Wiseman in defiance of the NCAA is idiotic. It was then, and it is now. It's what put them in this situation. But it is a, it's a unique case in the sense that, you know, it's not your typical booster bought a prospect for a school. I mean, that's that's the way it is mm -hmm. interpreted in the NCAA eyes. A Memphis booster bought a prospect for the University of Memphis. That's not really what happened. Penny Hardaway bought James Wiseman for East High School. He really just wanted to win a state championship with James Wiseman, not not go to a Final Four with James Wiseman. Now, I'm not naive enough to, to think that that payment to get him to move to East High School didn't contribute to him also ending up at the University of Memphis. But in the time that it happened, it had nothing to do with the University of Memphis. At the time that payment was made, here's what was going to happen. James Wiseman was going to go to East High School for a couple years, and then he was going to go to Kentucky and play for John Calipari. So that, by definition, just the way I explained it, it's a complex case. Let's look at it in the IARP. I don't know if Memphis is going to regret it or not, after the decision is rendered, but that is by, that's an undeniably complex case. The Louisville case is pretty straightforward. You got assistant coaches out there um, breaking rules, and you've got a shoe company um, involved in a pay for pay play scheme. Like I, I don't really there's nothing nothing really complex about the Louisville case, is there? No, but unprecedented maybe because remember you also got Jordan Fair caught in a hotel room trying to work another deal. Uh, for Balsa Caprivica, who is now at Florida State. Um, and so you have just a scenario here, a scenario there, a scenario there, where the, it's all all-encompassing. 
And the AD, Vince Tyra, did say in the presser that they weren't leaning one way or the other in terms of that, what they would recommend, but he did just put it on the table, so to speak. But you're right. The Memphis deal is more complex than Louisville, but I will say, broadly speaking, I would expect that we'll have at least a few schools try and go that route uh, in this instance because they already probably feel like the deck could be stacked against them with the COI, so why not try something new? I don't know if that will wind up being Louisville or not, but I th- do think we'll have a few schools that wind up trying that. Well, if you look at – if you read Greg Doyle's story in the Indy Star over the weekend, like I don't know that I would want to go that route, I don't think. Like we won't know until we get a few examples of what this looks like and and the punishments involved. But you forfeit the right to have an appeal, and um, like it's an FBI – in director investigating your program like who wants that like like they they look at what they're looking at but if they find other stuff like they 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 can they can rope that into the case as well like coaches will tell you for decades now uh, the last thing you want to do is get an investigator on your campus because what they came looking for, they might not even find or find that it's not a big deal. But my God, who knows what else they're going to find? So I don't know that I'd be wanting somebody who used to work for the FBI digging through my basketball program unless it was absolutely avoidable. But like I said, we're still in such a infancy phase with the IARP that – um, I, I think it's difficult at this point, even after reading Doyle's uh, column, I think it's difficult at the, this point to know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, um, you know, uh, if, if you're a program dealing with um, with NCAA uh, violations. But, uh, again, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Louisville now has, is it 90 days to respond yes. to the notice of allegations? And then I think the NCAA has 60 days after that. So this is a process. And the last point I'd want to make on this is that um, I agree with you. Even if the punishment comes down, I think the date you used was Valentine's Day 2021. And I really hope that's not the day. Like, I don't want to spend my Valentine's I, Day. I, I don't either. Okay. <laughs> dealing with Louisville's punishment. Um Everything's got to be punishment for the following year. I, I am against in-season, postseason bans, either yeah. administered by the NCAA or self-imposed. I thought it was awful what Louisville did a few years ago when they self-imposed postseason ban um, in the middle of a season and ripped away the opportunity from those seniors, some of whom were seniors who were grad transfers, only went to Louisville to play in the NCAA tournament, and then Louisville took that away. Um, I don't think I don't think schools should be able to do that, and I don't think the NCAA should administer a punishment that affects a season, impacts a season if that season is already underway. So um, hopefully, like whatever punishment Louisville gets, if it comes in Valentine's Day 2021, it only impacts anything after the 2020-21 season, nothing before the 2021-22 uh, season. That's fair, right? Yeah, no, that's what uh, that should what that's and that's and, what and the and the and the Louisville officials today, but just um, if you didn't catch it, they were asked if they plan to self-impose any penalties, and the answer was one word, no. So they're going to fight this in whatever form they can fight it. I, I wish them luck, but the 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 facts of the case don't seem to be on their side. Uh, the next big question that people were asking after the news broke today: What does it mean for Rick Patino? We'll get into that next, but first, check this out. 
Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Rick Pitino did not get a level one violation, uh, but he did get a level two violation, a failure to promote an atmosphere of compliance. So Rick released a statement, and he plans to fight that charge. But as much as I like Rick Pitino, I don't know how you could reasonably argue he was promoting an atmosphere of compliance when – while on probation for having a staff member throw stripper parties in violation of NCAA rules, he's got literally two different assistants out there doing pay-for-play deals. Like, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's a little bit of a tough one here for Rick. Got to admit, not, uh, not a great spot. Whereas I think we are, uh, I think, in more agreement than we anticipated, frankly, uh, in terms of how much we don't know uh, what's to come with Louisville. I'm, I'm like 100% certain that Rick Pitino is going to face a suspension. I don't see how this is avoidable whatsoever. Now, the length of it remains to be seen, and I don't think that it will happen until the 2021-22 season, given the timing with all this. By the way, here was Pitino's statement. Um, he said, Today the NCAA released an NOA... Uh, released in NOA and alleges a level two violation against me. I firmly disagree with this allegation and will follow the protocols in addressing this allegation through the administrative process due to NCAA bylaws and public disclosure on enforcement issues. I will have no further comment on this matter until it is resolved. Just for the record, Iona did put out a, a two-sentence statement or three-sentence statement said, we are aware of the report. The NCAA has a process to address the allegations. Prior to hiring Coach Patino, we conducted extensive due diligence. We support Coach Patino and expect him to respond within the process. If you're Iona, story hasn't changed. You knew this was coming, and you get Rick Pitino on your campus, you're going to take him any way possible and hope that he can bring the glory back to the MAC. I will note GP has Patino getting Iona to the Elite Eight by 2024, so we'll see yes. if that can go down. Um, Patino is charged with failing to promote an atmosphere of compliance. This is a broad interpretation by the NCAA that frankly is extremely hard to, to to win over. You need to provide the amount of evidence that you have to provide to win over that kind of charge is almost impossible. And in fact, in this case, Padina will not be able to do it. When you eliminate any of the other allegations and just get down to the indisputable facts that Patino had the program on probation. He had two assistants who were caught breaking NCAA rules, doing so while on probation. That that alone, in addition to the other things they're going to uh, tack on to Patino in particular, is going to get him suspended. Now, the length of it remains to be seen in terms of how severe it is, Parrish, but I, I mean, I think it's going to be a minimum 
of six games at this point. You actually, he is subject to uh, a show cause penalty because of the fact that he was on, uh, he was in charge of a program which then was a, not just a repeat violator, but I have to think that the timeliness of all this, by the way, is going to is going to play a part as well. There's a grand difference between, let's say, you run a program and you and you you run a foul in '92, and then you're free and clear until 2017. That's very different from uh, having an issue into the mid 2010s and this resurfacing again in 2017. So you with me here, Parrish? You know, in that Patino is going to get hit with a suspension. I, I just don't see how it's avoidable. I don't see how it's avoidable. He, it, they can do up to a half of a season. So let's just say for the sake of the conversation, it's 10 games. Rick will be furious, but like if you're Iona, you're like, okay, Rick's uh, associate head coach will handle 10 games. And then guess what? Rick Patino is still coaching at Iona. Like who cares? So, uh, yeah. yeah, like I, if I might – like some people – this is the point I made when Iona hired Rick. People were like, well, like what happens if – what happens if what? What like okay, Rick Patino's gonna miss half of a season. You still got Rick Patino coaching at Iona. Like it's still a win. In fact, like I, I've had this conversation about Kansas' situation with other people. Um, you know, there's a chance Bill Self could be suspended for a year. Yes. And and somebody said, Well, then you just gotta fire him. And I had a college coach say, Why? Just keep him. Just like the, in a year, okay, if you fire Bill Self and have to hire somebody else. In a year, are you better off with that person or just having Bill Self? Like, you know, like just keep Bill Self. Like pretend that he's like nobody was making light of anything, but it was like pretend that he's been diagnosed with something that makes him have to step away from the sport for a year. But he'll be back in a year. Like like when Mick Cronin had to step away from Cincinnati uh, for much of a season. It was just like, he'll be back. Just treat it exactly like that. So that's Bill Self at Kansas with – um, a year suspension, if it comes to that, and at Kansas, you really can probably go out and hire something close to Bill Self to replace Bill Self. And this coach was like, "Nah, you just keep Bill Self." At Iona, you can't get anybody close to Rick Patino. So, like, if it's six games, ten games, fifteen games, I I don't even care. Like, I just I still got Rick Patino as my coach. I'm good to go. But you know, I and I should I should say, I am somebody who does genuinely believe Rick Patino did not know about the stuff that's happened within this program. Like I, yeah. I've, expl- I, I've explained a million times, I, it, it is impossible for me to believe he knew about the stripper parties, if only because they were so reckless, he would have shut them down or at least moved them. Like you don't have them on campus in a dorm uh, named after your late brother-in-law uh, who, with cameras everywhere. Like that's just dumb. Like even if you, you were a head coach and believed – that stripper parties was the way to get the recruits you wanted you and we're signing off on it you'd be like take that off campus like dude you don't bring it onto campus where there's cameras everywhere so there's just no way you ever convinced me he knew about those with the brian bowen stuff i do i don't i don't think he knew but i think it's only if i'm being honest i don't think it's only because he just didn't want to know um, and the NCAA even made that point like you, you should have known you knew other schools were bidding for him you knew that you hadn't really recruited him, but suddenly somebody's reaching out to you asking if you want him. Like every red flag was there if you wanted to see it. You just chose not to see it. And so when, um, you know, but but still, like, do I think 
Rick Pitino knew how much money Adidas had agreed to give Brian Bowen Sr. No, I, I think, but only because, like I mentioned on a recent podcast, maybe multiple recent podcasts, I'm now watching Succession. And there's a point in season one where somebody's talking to somebody else about something and they just say, stop. I don't need to know anything else that you're saying. I don't want to hear this. Just yeah. do, you go do what you need to do and I don't. I don't know enough. I don't need to hear this. I essentially think that's what happened with Rick. But again, when you've got in a span of a couple of years, one assistant coach throwing stripper parties, two other assistant coaches involved in pay for play schemes separately, like it's impossible to, to, to convince anybody you are promoting uh, an atmosphere of compliance. I actually set in and I don't think Buzz Williams would mind me telling the story. So I'll just tell the story. Hell, I probably told it 50 times before. Um, but I was at Virginia Tech in Buzz's first year. And I actually sat in on a coaching coach's meeting. He had his entire staff in there. And he had a copy of his contract. And I forget how much he was guaranteed, but it was lots of millions of dollars in his contract. And Buzz was talking to his staff, and he said, the only way they don't give me all of this money, let's just say it was like $20 million dollars, the only way they don't have to pay me every penny of this money is if I or you get caught violating NCAA rules. So I am telling you, do not cost me $20 million. You are under no pressure to get players if it comes at uh, – if it comes with uh, – if it goes hand in hand with you costing me $20 million. We're not going to do it. I would rather have no players than lose $20 million because one of you did something stupid. So I want to make it very, very clear. This isn't one of those where I don't need to know. Go out and do your thing. I'm telling you, you do not cost me $20 million. And if I find out you are putting me in a situation where it might cost me $20 million, then I will fire you immediately. Now, he might have been doing that in front of me <laughs> just so that <laughs> if it ever came to it, like if he ever got hit with a uh, failure to promote an atmospheric compliance, he could <laughs> yeah. have me talk to the incident play and say, listen, I, I don't know I, if that's going to help the case, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like uh, yeah, Gary, Gary Parrish was there when I told my staff when I was promoting an atmosphere of compliance. Um, but like either way, he did that. With Rick, either one of two things happened here. Either he didn't make it crystal clear to his assistant coaches, dudes, like we used to do what we used to do. You guys used to do what you used to do, but like we're on our last leg here now. <laughs> if we get involved in something else, it's, it's over for all of us. So like you can't do anything. He either didn't make that crystal clear to them while promoting an atmospheric compliance or he did, but his assistants just didn't care. And either way, that's a problem. Um, I, I think, you know, Rick has paid an enormous price. Um, you know, he's coaching at Iona instead of Louisville, but he will pay an additional price, and it, it will be a suspension. I don't see any way he avoids that. Yeah, I will. Uh, I do want to credit uh, our friend Pete Thamel with Yahoo because he brought this up uh, when the, all this was coming out earlier on Monday. Um, that I mentioned the the show cost stuff. That's because there could be aggravating factors on top of the level two violation. So he's quoting from the NCAA rulebook here. Um, you know, NCAA bylaw 19.9.3, uh, one aggravating factor would be a history of level one or level two or major violations by the, by the involved individual, um, which came, uh, back in, in 2017 when Patino violated, uh, responsibility rules when he didn't 
properly monitor his program. And then another one uh, could be other factors warranting a higher penalty. Uh, and uh, Thamel's uh, tweet here says, at the time, Patino failed to promote compliance in the men's basketball program as detailed in allegation number three, as he was awaiting a decision from the committee on infractions and subsequently subject to a show cause order as a result of this decision a level one head coach responsibility infraction. So there could still be more things that come uh, that land on Patino's doorstep here. We'll wait and see on that overall. I don't think it will get too uh, aggressively bad against him, but it's not without the, you know, it's within the realm of possibility overall, GP. But I will say, you know, looking back on, on this now, we are coming up on three years since Bowen, Brian Bowen Jr. committed to Louisville. And when that happened, he was a five-star prospect. He was the only uncommitted five-star prospect. And I want to say like three-ish weeks before he committed to Louisville, that's when I just kind of started asking around here and there, like, what's with this Bowen kid? His 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 finalist list always changed. The schools aren't remotely connected. Obviously, it was fishy, but I was just trying to get uh, a better read on it. And it's like, you already know the deal here. And the point is, I already knew the deal. Patino not knowing the deal right. is not acceptable, okay? He doesn't want to know it. And for a guy to have been involved in basketball since the 70s and still be like, <laughs> I mean, talk about luck of luck. We got this five-star that's coming in next season that commits to us. I didn't even recruit the kid. It's I just, like, I, like I, When we talked about this when the FBI stuff first popped, like I, one of the points I made is the only other time I could remember a coach telling a recruiting story like Rick's recruiting story with Brian Bowen. And Rick's story was just like you said. We didn't even recruit him. Phone rings one day. They're like, hey, would you be interested in Brian Bowen? I'm like, uh, sure. And, you know, a couple weeks later, he's on campus and he's committed. Like, boom, it was amazing. i never seen anything like it. The only other time I'd ever heard a coach tell a similar story about a five-star recruit is Tim Floyd, O.J. Mayo. <laughs> Tim Floyd's story about O.J. Mayo was the same thing. Phone rings one day. Somebody's asking. OJ Mayo is considered the best high school prospect in America, and somebody call and, and somebody calls you. Hey, would you be interested in OJ Mayo? And Tim's like, Well, I guess I would. That's, <laughs> it's like what? Like you, if you don't know, you. Oh man! You know, I, like I, I don't even want to go down the path of if you don't. Of course you know. You just. Here's the truth. If you want me to rationalize it from Rick's perspective, here's the truth. If you're Rick Patino, you're like, All right, listen. This is clearly fishy. I, I know what's going on, but I know this program over here is taking players the exact same way. Maybe there's a program in my own state taking players the exact same way. I'm just going to – like, why do I need to be the guy to turn away the five-star prospect? I'm not the one getting my hands dirty. I'm not the one promising anybody anything. I mean, like if, if all these other players are enrolling all these other places – with shoe company help, why do I got to be the one to stand up and 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 say, "Well, no, I know that this can't be on the up and up." Like, why? What? Why, why do I got to be that guy? This is why. This is why Buzz Williams could never trust you to be the guy to go to the NCAA. <laughs> like, because your damn program's already on probation when this is happening. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, I tell you what. In retrospect, I mean, Bowen's commitment to Louisville really signaled one of the more disruptive. Moments, I guess one of the more disruptive commitments in modern college history because it's the pledge that really helped the government's case that would lead to the arrest and guilty charges against 10 men for wire fraud, conspiracy, other all those other charges. 
and and it set the table for what happened later that year in college basketball. It wasn't the only thing, but it was really like Bowen going to play for Louisville was at the centerpiece of the of the first of the two trials there. Uh, it's obviously the commitment that pushed a Hall of Fame coach out of the job that he thought he'd finish out his career at. Got Louisville athletic director Tom Jurch fired and so much more. It's uh, I mean, if we could go back in time to mid-May of 2017 and just like say, hey, listen, there's going to be a commitment that's coming here and you can't even imagine how much just general noise and disruption, <laughs> millions upon millions of dollars, taxpayer dollars are going to be put into this with college basketball. It's fascinating to look back on it and it all came when Bowen and his father really agreeing to uh, to a six-figure payment from Adidas and Dawkins and all that um, it's it's something else, man. So anyway, uh, last thing I got is I just I just think that Patino can't avoid all this stuff. He's just got to hope that the exacerbating charges don't come into play as well because if it does, then we might look at more than just a simple six or ten game suspension. Do you know how much I miss May of 2017? I would kill to be in May of 2017. I, I hear you, man. I know. I, I mean, we are recording. Bless my lovely wife. I love you, Diane. I'm going to say it on a podcast, too. I don't know how many people. She'll never hear this. Today's our <laughs> seven-year wedding anniversary, and I'm spending the evening hour with Gary Parrish <laughs> talking about freaking Brian Bowen, Louisville, and Rick Pitino. Oh, 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 yeah, that's not even the worst part. The worst part is because your um, option was like to – what? <laughs> like it wasn't to go to a nice dinner I know. or to even go to the grocery store without a mask. Like the whole – like I really got – I should always say this. Um, I don't want anybody to think I think otherwise. Like I've got it better than most. You know, my family's healthy. Um, we're doing okay relatively speaking. But like I got down this weekend. Like I found myself just sort of – I'm not – I don't want to use the word depressed because that's a, 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 a legitimate term and people really do struggle with depression. I'm not struggling with depression, but I like felt I just felt down. I felt miserable. Like this is an awful way to live, and we're not going to be living any other way for a while. Well, I mean, you you appear to have options because a lot of people are starting to. Uh, oh, dude, you better be glad you live where you live instead of where I live. I'm, I am. Yep. Connecticut is keeping its stay-at-home orders in place for a few more weeks here, and I'm completely fine with that. We'll uh, we'll grin and bear it and 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 do it out. But yeah, no. I, I, people people down here in the south are done with it. <laughs> <laughs> they're done. Like they're over it. Like, folks down here just said, you know what? I don't care anymore. <sighs> like I, I, one of my neighbors actually said to me, uh, I don't care. I like if I get it and I he he actually just said if I get it I'll probably be fine and if I'm not well it's just too bad but I'm not I'm tired of living this way so like he had eight kids playing basketball in his yard the other day um it's just it's wild like it, it's it's so depressing <laughs> it's exactly it is it's it's if you think about it cuz like I was talking with my wife like down here you know stores can reopen restaurants can reopen yeah my wife owns a store she has not reopened yet she's been allowed to for nearly two weeks now mm. she just hasn't opened yet but um it's like this is really the world like and it's gonna be this way for a while like the next time you go into a restaurant and eat a meal like you did in january is maybe a year away yep what in the world <laughs> what happened i'm about to go do a little uh, red velvet cupcake action here. Okay. Celebrate oh, hey. seven years. Wedded bliss. Is, yes. Yes. What? Yes or no? 
Oh, boy. Yes or no? I don't is even want to know what you're going to ask here, okay? Keep is this it, a biting night? Keep is this a biting it PG. Night? Is this no. a biting night? <laughs> of course not. What? Of course not. You don't, it, it, you're a biter? You don't even bite on your anniversary? I, I am not, and that has not, that has not been the case. However, you will, <laughs> you will propagate the lie, and that is just fine. As we close, mm-hmm. give me one. We'll each share, even though it's not your wedding anniversary. It might as well be ours, you and me, GP, in sure. addition to me and my own wife here. Give me one quick story about your wedding day. And I got, I got one for you as well. You, my wife and I got married in Jamaica. I did not know that. Really? We were, well, we were young and we didn't have, I mean, like we were young. My wife was 21 years old when we got married. Um, and we didn't have much money. You know, I was a, a beat writer working at a newspaper. She was a college student still. And so it was just like neither one of our parents come from money. It was just, it made more financial sense to just leave the country and get married. And then I didn't want to, I felt bad because most of my friends were like me. Like they didn't have money to go to Jamaica. Like I felt bad. Now I have subsequently gone out of the country for other friends' weddings, but I felt bad asking anybody to go because I didn't want people who didn't have the money trying to scrounge it together to go because they felt obligated to go. So we went alone and we got married. And my best man was a Jamaican dude that I've never met. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> no, this is all a real story. Because you had to have a witnesses. You had to have people in the thing. I, I shouldn't say best man. He wasn't like he's my best man. No, but he like was. We had to have witnesses. Where is, he, were, where is he, in, he? Can he now get the shouts? I think his name is like on our wedding certificate. Uh, gotta, like fi- gotta find it, and he's got to get a shout on the next episode. Get it done. So, so, so it's actually sad. Like it's a, it, it's, it's a, I, like I, 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 like I don't really care. But like my, I think my wife looks back on it with some regret. Well, <laughs> probably I mean, there are for, there are many reasons. Probably for yes. a variety of reasons. But um, like why do we even do it? Period. But um, no, my wedding day was uh, not. There's nothing great about it. We we were two young people who didn't have uh, money to do it the right or at least we didn't think we did maybe, maybe that maybe that was more um, of the case than not but like it, I don't I don't have this great wedding story uh, I got a lot of good ones but I will uh, I'll save them I'll only share uh, one but for the record uh, you were invited to the wedding and you didn't go do you remember why of course you don't. I think, no, I think I had to host something. You didn't did. Yeah, some BS. Yeah, you had to do something. But no, I think it was maybe FedEx St. Jude Classic. Was uh, that it? I uh, mean, it was. It was May fourth. So it was actually when the, it, when I got married. It was. It was a Saturday. So like the Kentucky Derby was run that day. I assume you had to do something related to like the Kentucky Derby happening locally. But I don't I, think it was the Kentucky Derby. I think it was. If I remember correctly, I had to host something. You did. I'm sure it was some contractual thing. So you didn't. Yeah. Uh, you did not. Uh, you did not attend. Um, awesome day. Genuinely, like the, our wedding kicked ass, and um, and we had like our friends to this day would be like, you know, yours was the one. Yours was the one. We got married in Stanford, Connecticut, but we had a friar who married us, and you know, I was just so excited about that day. I didn't really have any sort of nerves or anything like that. But let's say we were scheduled to. Let's say the um, let's say the wedding. Uh, you know, getting married part of it was about at 4.30. Let's just say that's when it was supposed to start. Like 4.23 rolls around, 
and no one knows where the dude that's supposed to marry us is at. And so <laughs> I like, and then it gets like, I'm on the state. We got married in like this cool big tent and the way it was working was Diane would walk uh, in from the hotel and, and, and kind of emerge around a corner. It was awesome. But it's like, it's like 423 and I'm up there with, I have three younger brothers and then three of, uh, uh, two two buddies I pl- went to college with, and then my my brother in law. So I I had six groomsmen. So we're all up there, and he's not there yet. And it's getting to. I actually had another buddy from college in the audience who I don't remember all the details around it, but he, you know how you can get like ordained online. He had done sure. that like he had done that like five years before. So I was no exaggeration. I was about sixty seconds away. From stepping down off the platform, his name's Bashir, uh, <laughs> and, and going up to my bud Bashir and being like, dude, I think you got to marry me right now because I don't know where this <laughs> damn fryer is. I don't know. Like, I was getting legitimately nervous. And just as I'm about to do it, uh, his name was his name was Matthew. So Friar Matthew turns a corner, uh, and there he appears. And I'm like, uh, so it was like the one part of the entire day where I was like, oh God, thank God, thank God. Like it just, I didn't realize how tense my body was getting because it was like, can't do this to my wife right now. Can't have <laughs> no one marrying us. Can't have this. But he, uh, so we got married in Stanford, Connecticut, and those who know the area, um, it can it can get some serious traffic and stuff like that, and he apparently got lost, but uh, but we got it done in time, and it was an amazing. I could have got you a Jamaican. You could have. Well, Jamaican. no, my my here's my wedding day. We woke up probably with hangovers from the night before. Um, went down to the beach, hung out for a little while, then looked at the clock and was like, oh, um, all right, it's two o'clock. We're getting married in an hour. Let's go get ready. Boom, go get ready. Um, uh, you know, I get, I get my, my best friend, my, my best Jamaican friend. We go through the little, you know, I say all the words you're supposed to say. And she says all the words she's supposed to say, kiss the bride. We, uh, <laughs> cut up a cake with, with, with our Jamaican friends. And then, uh, we went back inside and changed back into our bathing suits and went back to the beach. Oh my gosh. I never knew any of this. This is it's like, I, I, it's, it's actually sad. I mean that, like I look back on it with, mm. I, I don't look back with, on regret with, with getting married. Like, man, I got three amazing boys and incredible family, but I wish that, I wish that we'd have done it. Differently, I guess, just differently. Like my my wife didn't have her mom at her wedding. Like that that, that bothered yeah. her. Yeah, as it should. Okay, real quick, because then like I I gotta go. Like I gotta I obviously. But when, what year did you get married? Please tell me you remember. Two thousand three. All right, so twenty twenty three, we renew the vows. We do it right, right there in Memphis. I'm putting it on the table right now. You got you got three years, and we should be able to all convene as a normal society by then. I would really hope. She, uh, she, she has mentioned doing that before, like, like you know, renewing you the vows, but like having our friends and yes. family actually there. You should absolutely. I'm not. I'm not joking with you. This would be incredible. Okay, get some classic anecdotes for the podcast. You got three years to prep. Maybe I got to make some calls here. We sh- you should honestly, you should make that happen. Well, yeah, I don't I think. I don't, I don't think. Uh, I don't think you would regret it whatsoever. And it would be. And you know what? Actually, it would be as well. By the way, um. There's, uh, there's this. Uh, I can't remember who told me this, this, but they were like, "There's one thing that's always true about a wedding." With you, it's actually has been true as well. Is you'll get all these people in a room, and it was awesome. Like I'm still so close with so many of the people, but there's always at least one person who will go to your wedding, and then you will never see them again. 
And it's true. There have been a couple of people that we have not seen since our wedding day. For you, 20 years post, it would actually be like strongly. And so that was true because you're Jamaican, dude. You haven't seen him again. <laughs> I don't even so that is also true for you. Uh, a party of, of, of three or four, essentially. And, and yeah, so there you go. But you would you would truly be able to, to bring in a party of people that have been representative of who have been in your lives for so long and then have been part of it now and, and are attached to your kids and all that stuff. So yeah, 2023, let's make it happen. Let's get it done. It'd probably, it'd probably be sweet. I'll put it, uh, I'll put it on the possible to do list in the meantime shouts to Devin Downey shouts to Chester South Carolina shouts to Terry MF and Teagle legend shouts to Larnell please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast rated favorably five stars nice comments and we will talk to you again real soon till then take care What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-man. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.